The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Divisional round weekend is upon us. The Kansas City Chiefs cap things off on Sunday evening on the road against the Buffalo Bills. So plenty to get into on today's show. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor show discussing their marinated takeaways from the Chiefs wildcard win over the Miami Dolphins. After that, it's the Out of Structure podcast, just breaking down what worked so well for the Chiefs in that win over the Dolphins. Then we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, taking our first preview ahead of this divisional round road matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with the great British Chiefs show. Brad and Tom are back to give you their predictions ahead of this contest. Then we'll wrap things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday night to advance to an AFC Championship game. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Yeah, it's that time. It's that time for... Our marinated takeaways, our playoff edition. We haven't had wild card marinated takeaways in two years. So uh, <laughs> we have them from this game. Everybody's uh, Chiefs, been waiting all this yeah, time. It is, it is highly anticipated. Uh, the Chiefs win 26-7 to uh, against the Miami Dolphins. We'll start with John and then go to Steve for his first takeaway. Uh, John, uh, and I should mention before we get started, this is going to be an expedited show. Like we said, we don't have a ton of media. We don't even know the Chiefs' opponent at this time, so we're just going to review the game with our merited takeaways, talk a little bit about the schedule, and get you on uh, your merry way here. So, John, let's start it up. Uh, Marinated takeaway from Chiefs Dolphins. Well, and since we uh, have this uh, abbreviated show today, I'm going to spend 10 minutes talking about this particular takeaway. No, I'm not. Perfect. Just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, every time the Chiefs play a cold-weather game, uh, all the national uh, analysts, sometimes the local analysts too, go out of their way to talk about how this is going to be a game that depends on the running game yeah. uh, and how the, they're not going to be able to throw the ball because it's slick and it's hard. And then the Chiefs go out with Patrick Mahomes and he starts passing. The game started with three consecutive passes. 
They passed as much as they always do in any Chiefs game. What's the difference? The thing that we haven't really talked about uh, since it first became a reality back in 2016, the Chiefs have a heated field at Arrowhead Stadium. Right. And I think this has played a big factor in all of these January games that have been played there. And when they finished installing it in 19, in 2016, it took three years to put this thing in, by the way. Um, it's, I started in 2013, finished in 2016. And uh, the thing is enormous. It's a huge yeah. investment. And they did it because they knew they were going to be playing a lot of postseason games in January. So I think we should salute the Chiefs for being so forward-thinking and also recognizing that they were going to need this kind of thing to play games in January and play the way that um, they want to play the games instead of you know having to make big concessions because of the weather. And I think that's why uh, teams come in and don't expect it to be – they expect something completely different. And I think mm-hmm. Andy Reid touched on that a little bit in his remarks after the game that that he didn't think that the – Dolphins believed that Mahomes is going to come in and throw the ball like he did yeah. in such cold weather. And I think the field was part of that part of that equation. Well, I was at the coordinator press conference and we were listening to Matt Nagy. And one of the things that jumped out to me is Matt Nagy was asked about how the Chiefs are going to maybe have to run the ball more. And he kind of said, we're going to run it <laughs> how we, we do. And normally I think you you would say, oh, well, that's coach to be going into the game. It's, it's right. certainly going to be more run first. And, and granted that Chiefs ran the ball a lot, but I think it, it more so had to do with the way the game was going then right. and unwillingness to pass the football. So it's a great point. Uh, and, and you know, you don't even think about the idea that the, the field is heated. How much does that matter when it's negative 100 and 100 degrees? I mean, uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure you'd rather be on a, a heated field than uh, one without that feature. So it's a great point. Uh, and we did not see uh, Kansas City shy away from throwing the football. In fact, I... I <laughs> Almost seemed like Patrick Mahomes wanted to throw the ball uh, around the yard, and he was able to do so uh, with success. Steve, let's go to your first marinated takeaway from this wild card round. Well, first off, you can count me in the group of people who thought they were going to run a little bit more, but instead, Patrick Mahomes threw the ball forty plus times uh, <laughs> in thirty degree weather. They really did both when you look at it. Uh, between Pacheco and Edwards Alaire, it was a very balanced attack. Thirty one rushes, but you're right, Mahomes did throw the football uh, forty one times, so more passing than than runs. Yeah, uh, I re- I really thought and Pacheco was super effective early in the game, too. Uh, so I-, I thought they would lean into that a little bit more in the second half. But Andy Reid loves to throw the ball and I, I don't have an issue with it. Um, this is something that uh, Brandon Kylie on show and BK has really been leaning into. And I think I'm finally there with him. So I- I'm bringing it to the marinated takeaway table. Um Rasheed Rice is the Chiefs' number one option on offense right now. And I think it's definitive. Like, you talk about that performance in a playoff game, in those conditions where he's got 130 yards and a touchdown, another touchdown that was taken off the board because of a penalty. Like, he was the Chiefs' best offensive weapon on the field on Saturday night. And right now, it's – I've been talking about it for weeks here on Arrowhead Pride. Like, when are defenses going to catch on to this? When are they going Mm -hmm. to say – Rice is the number one guy. Rice is the number one option that we have to slow down, not Travis Kelsey anymore. And for weeks, I'm like, yeah, I think it's still Kelsey. I think it's still Kelsey. I think it's Rasheed Rice now. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, as the Chiefs, I know the Dolphins had so many defensive injuries and, and were really banged up. And so they didn't have the personnel to match up with the Chiefs really on that side of the ball. But as you move forward here, whether it's the Bills or the Texans or, or any of these teams throughout the playoffs, if the Chiefs can, can stay alive and make a run, like I, I'd be really interested to see how defenses start playing Rasheed Rice, because I, I think at this point it should be. Hey, we need to double team that dude. We need to try it. We need to try to put our, our top guy on Kelsey or bracket him or whatever. And then it's make everybody else beat you. And I think teams still haven't totally caught on to that for whatever reason, even though Rasheed Rice has been tremendous over the last like six weeks or so. Yeah, I don't know who invited you on the show because that was what I wanted to talk about. Rasheed Rice <laughs> and him being the the drag and yak king of the AFC. He broke another <laughs> record on saturday night 130 yards that's the most a rookie receiver uh has recorded for the chiefs in in franchise history we, we wrote about that both in the newsletter uh and on arrowheadpride.com if you if you check out either uh in a year for me like where you know he wouldn't necessarily say it at the podium and andy reed wouldn't talk about it at the podium but you can see it in their angry faces and their frustrated faces where there has been so much frustration with the pass catchers with the wideouts rice was in the right place at the right time all night long on Saturday. And Mahomes didn't uh, have any problem feeding him in the football. And I think it was a year of figuring out who that guy was going to be. Kelsey was a little bit slower for injury. Otherwise, I, I think he looked a lot more fresh, especially at the beginning of this game, having uh, taken last week off. But I just was very, very impressed with, with Rice, kind of what you were just saying, Steve. But I I'll also have some other stuff to add. I, I thought this stood out from the postgame presser in, in so many in, in so many words and, and just the way that he could describe it. I think this is what we're, we see with Mahomes and Kelsey when we talk about that mind meld. He said uh, he's progressed a lot since the beginning of the season. And this is Rice. A lot of our offense goes off of man and zone defense as far as if it's zone or man at the beginning of a play, it could change. And you'll be able to change your route in the middle of the play. And so we've always been like wondering, like, why can Travis Kelsey just go wherever he wants? Because it seems like if there uh, is a, a zone coverage look, uh, they have the freedom to go find the soft spot, so to speak, where uh, there are rules built in. And it seems like Rice, maybe as he uh, went through the season, had to really like learn that nuance of the offense. And you could just tell that he is more than comfortable with it right now. And I know that a lot of people are looking at uh, this this year. And I think, yes, he has definitely become the – number one option through the air, but I, I think he's going to be an integral part of the offense moving forward. I think we all think that the Chiefs are going to bring a, a number one, quote unquote, uh, wide receiver in from the free agency market. T Higgins is always a hot name uh, that comes up, but what a number two you have in Rasheed Rice and how much is this going to open things up for Travis Kelsey in 2024? Rice also said this after the game. They were in zero blitz coverage a lot of the time. A lot of the time you saw that when they're in zero, you know Pat is going to get me the ball quickly. It's best for us to get open as fast as we can, just being able to know how to get open uh, as fast as you can on certain routes. That's all we had to do about that. And the the yak, the that play where he broke like three dolphins were trying to tackle him and he spins around and somehow it looked like he could maybe even get another, I think get like an, an additional four yards, but it could have been 10 for all we know if it, if it had gone a little bit differently. So I'm with you. And it's right in time. I mean, you're you're at a max confidence level for the rookie uh, at a perfect time uh, of the season when you need it. And they've been trying to figure out, OK, and I know Rice showed a lot of progress from the middle of the season forward. But I just think uh, to your point, Steve, and just adding on to mine, like 
I think Saturday night was an exclamation point uh, for for Rasheed Rice. And uh, the sky's the limit of what he'll do the rest of the postseason, however many games it goes. But I just think even forward, the Chiefs got another one. You know, we talked about for years how they were seeking a cornerback and they never drafted a cornerback. And Brett Beach can't identify early round defensive backs. Well, Chet McDuffie's pretty damn good. I know he had that one play uh, mm-hmm. against Tyree yeah. Kill, but he's a, he's, a, he's an all pro. Uh, same thing uh, is said with receivers. And, you know, look, Cornell Powell didn't work out. Uh, Sky Moore right now. Uh, jury's still out a little bit, but that hasn't gone completely well. But they hit a home run uh, in the second round this year of in, in getting Rasheed Rice. Uh, John, uh, do you have anything to add before we go to your next point? Yeah, I was just going to uh, go back to Steve's point about uh, you know, they could end up covering Rasheed Rice, double yep. covering him and and uh, taking him out of the equation. Well, you know what? That's what they used to do with Hill and Kelsey. And yeah. one of them would always be successful. And, you know, they you double cover Hill, then Kelsey gets the work. If you double cover Kelsey, then Hill gets the work. So, you know, yes, that could happen, but I'm not really sure that's going to be a big deal, at least not now. Maybe in a year mm-hmm. or two that could be a big deal. But by then, as you've noted, uh, the Chiefs might be able to get uh, another receiver in the mix, and then we're back to the same equation. You cover one guy, then the other guy is going to be successful. So, um I think you're right, Steve. I think they're going to start paying more attention to Rashi Rice after what he did on 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 Saturday. But I'm just not sure it's going to make all that much difference in terms of what the team can do in the passing game. It feels like, I mean, I and this has got to be really frustrating to the other AFC teams that are still left in the dance right here. It just feels like the Chiefs figured it out at the last. Like, all right, the offense has been disappointing <laughs> this entire time, but oh damn, the Chiefs have figured it out. They've really and like now, I think they have a good as chance as any team. And I had my doubts going into the playoffs, and I'm not saying they're definitely going to lift uh, the Lamar Hunt Trophy and, and win the AFC, but I I feel a lot better after this game than I did. And mm-hmm, you know, yeah. you have those red zone issues. Uh, my other points about defense, so I'll very quickly just talk about that. You got to figure out the red zone. I wrote this uh, on the site. I still feel that way. Uh, two days later, you know, I think you're getting to the point where you're going to have to turn some of these into six. You can't just have Butker kicking six field goals a game, especially when you know that the other, these other teams have good enough offenses to score. But um, been impressed. I've uh, been really impressed with with Kansas City's offense and, and kind of figuring this thing out. All right, John, let's go to round two. Uh, what is your second marinated takeaway from the Chiefs 26 to seven win over the Dolphins? Well, I'm just going to uh, to piggyback on what you just were talking about the red zone uh, yeah. uh, situation with the offense yeah they got to figure that out uh when you get into the red zone you need to score touchdowns there's no doubt about that um i don't think the team needs to say oh well we'll just depend on field goals that'll be enough um but the thing is that there are going to be times that it is enough yeah. and saturday's game was one of those times and um you know, I don't think the defense is always going to be capable of holding the other team to seven points. But if the Chiefs do, they're going to win that game. That's just the way it is. You can't hold the Kansas City offense under uh, under seven points in a game. I just don't think it's reasonable to to have that expectation. Oh, no. Yeah. So if the defense can actually hold the other team to seven points or ten points, they've got to win in the bag. They can get that with Harrison Butker kicking two or three field goals. Uh, or four field goals, even if they don't score a touchdown. It rem- I wrote about this uh, on arrowheadpride.com after the game. You know, there was a time that when the Chiefs had a fantastic defense in the 60s, it was very, very normal for Jan Stenerud to out- completely outscore the other team, which is what Harrison Butker did on Saturday night. 
Um, that doesn't mean that we should depend on it because there's going to be times that that doesn't work. The other team gets 17 points, which the Chiefs have allowed, I think, half a dozen times this year, that specific score. And I think that's about what their average is over the course of the season. Um, you're not going to be able to depend on field goals. So they're going to have to score some touchdowns. But they did. They scored three yeah. touchdowns. One of them was taken away by a penalty. Um, you know, yeah, they need to do better in the red zone, but they're already showing signs of doing so. So I think that's that's a good thing. You know, with, with what they've had going on this season where you've had your off offensive coordinator get fired uh, midseason, you know, Sean McDermott's been on the hot seat at times, even though you've had this hot stretch down the, down the stretch of the year. I don't know, man. It's There's a lot of pressure on Buffalo to win this game. And on the flip side, like, as much as the Chiefs have pressure to, to win at all times, like, they're playing with a little bit of house money, just being the defending champs being the team that can say, look, we've already won this thing twice. Like if it's not our year, it's not our year. Obviously not saying that's going to affect the player's effort, but I think, I think that does factor into the bills mentality a little bit, being kind of having that pressure to, to get it done this year, or they're really in, 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 a, in, you know, back into a corner, losing three playoff games to the chiefs. I don't know. Is there anything to that you think? I mean, I definitely think there's, you know, some added pressure to Buffalo. Like you said, you know, in 2020, they were kind of the underdog. The, you know, people still picked them to win, but the Chiefs were still superior in every facet. 2021, definitely more of a toss-up, literally. But, you know, they thought they had the game won, and Patrick Mahomes did something that only he can do. And, you know, this year coming into it, the Bills coaching staff is, you know, fired. They have a lot of money locked up into a lot of guys, and the yeah. Chiefs are kind of like in this reset after they win a championship to where – you saw the emergence of one guy, Rasheed Rice, throughout the course of the season, and it feels like they've just been building with their young pieces. So in a lot of ways, I think you're right. There is a lot of pressure on the Bills right now just from looking at, like, their contracts, their roster, and, you know, they, you know they're firing their coaches at midseason. The Chiefs didn't really do anything like that drastically. They kind of have rallied around each other, if anything. Yeah. Exactly. And you kind of said it there, like if the Chiefs were able to to pull this off again in a resetting, you're kind of a, you know, kind of regrouping year. And and in a year where Buffalo, you know, they were prime. They had the Super Bowl banners in the practice facility. Everyone remember that. And, and you know, I don't know if they still do or not, but uh, but they're eyeing that trophy. And it'd be it'd be very sweet if the Chiefs uh, once again spoiled that for, for Buffalo. And so we'll get into that a little more at the end of the podcast because we got a little we can dive into that matchup a little more. I mean, we got it's, it's locked in now. There's no if ands or buts, which is exciting. But but let's go, let's look back because you know the Chiefs Dolphins game was very exciting, not just because of of the memorable temperatures. Uh, it was it was also just a, a very very good performance by the Chiefs on the field. Uh, a lot of things to be excited about, um, but also a lot of things to nitpick and a lot of things to think about as, as we got two more games off in these AFC playoffs potentially. And so let's kind of get into the Insta breakdown. Um, that's kind of the article we do in the post game. Uh, you usually help me with it. I usually uh, do it for the site. Obviously this week we were both at the game, so it was a little different, but you know, it's, it's just a way for, to break down the game and we'll start on offense because my offensive player of the game, when I wrote it up was Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver. And he did just have an insane day for a rookie in his first postseason game in this temperatures. You know, he said he's never played in a game that cold and just being the outlet that he was for Mahomes, you know, constantly making big catches, constantly moving the chains. Um, you know, Rice was my guy was, was the, the highlight of the day for me. 
What what stood out to you on offense, or or was it just Rice kind of stealing the show for you too? Rice definitely stole the show, but uh, I'll go with Trey Smith, and Ooh, yeah. that was because they just kind of came out. The offensive line came out, and you know the running game was here or there. You know it was what it was. It was a cold game. You know you kind of figure that it's going to be kind of slow. You know slow sledding anyway, and a lot of the facets. The pass protection was good all game, but what Trey Smith was doing was setting the attitude out there. And what I mean by that is he was finishing, you know, some pretty decent defensive line guys for the Dolphins, you know, like Christian Wilkins. He was finishing them. They were getting a lot of movement up front. They were keeping Mahomes clean and letting him scramble all night long. But in between, in between a lot of these plays, you know, the offense is going to go off the field. They're going to, uh, the offense, you know, goes off the field during the media time. I said, do all that. Smith didn't really leave the field. He just yeah. kind of go out there and stand where the huddle's going to be at while everyone else is getting warm. And he was pretty much just staring down the Dolphins' sideline and their defense as they came into the field. I mean, he was in the zone. He came out and was ready to go, kind of setting the tone for what kind of game that was going to be. And they, it really, he really did. The Dolphins didn't want to tackle. As the game kind of got going, you know, they were struggling to wrap guys up. Where she Rice was, you know, getting some of those plays where he's holding guys up and the offensive lines running ten yards, creating more push. Clyde had that one run where I think he got pushed an extra five yards after the contact yeah. stood him up, and that was just kind of what kind of game that was. You know, the Chiefs just kind of—I thought they just came out and they just kind of out physical them from the start in every facet, and I thought a lot of that started with Smith. Yeah, no, Trey Smith definitely deserves a big shout out. Um, honestly, he could have been offensive player of the game just with how he set the tone right away, like you mentioned. I mean, right off the bat from the opening drive, um, you saw the run game honestly probably be its most effective on the opening drive. I think they got like 30-something of, of the 80 yards um, on that first possession. And you saw right away, actually, I, I hadn't tweeted it yet, but I, I'm going to have a clip where, on three consecutive handoffs, they had three different style of runs. They had a power run, uh, they had a counter run, and then they had the traditional outside zone run. And each run was a, a successful carry um, set. And the last one was that that you know pretty big chunk run that that set up the touchdown drive or the touchdown on that first drive. And yeah, it started with those inside guys just setting the tone on those down blocks or just just washing guys out, um, you know, because it was Creed too, and it was Joe Tooney, you know, as well. But Trey was really it, it was hilarious just seeing him just stand out there freezing cold by himself. There's no, you got no players around him blocking the wind, you know, in those timeouts and those breaks, he's just staring down the dolphins looking at him. It was, that was fun to see in the stadium. Trey's a dog kind of guy. You definitely want on your team, but besides the run game, Caleb, it was also the pass protection. That was, that was awesome. Um, you know, really just keeping Mahomes clean for the most part, you know, really, you know, giving him time to, to go through his progressions to, and even when they blitzed, right? Like there was a lot of great blitz pickups. You know, shout out Clyde. He had a, he had a really good one at one point. Um, he just swallowed the guy up. So it really wasn't just the the run game. I think the offensive line just balled out. And obviously the Dolphins had some injuries, but but yeah, I don't know. Did you did you feel like Donovan Smith kind of came back strong? Javon Taylor kind of had a, a pretty good game. How'd you feel about the O line in general? I was pretty pleased with Donovan Smith's performance. He actually looked like he was rested up quite a bit looks like he'd had some time to kind of get his legs back underneath him I mean I thought Taylor was fine for the most part the flags again you know an issue in the playoffs yeah. as they were an issue in the regular season 
Uh, that one's a little questionable to me on they call blocking the back when he's like get, hitting the guy still around the line of scrimmage. So I thought that was a little bit odd. I thought that well, the thing either way. The thing on that one was like the there's a defender behind him, I feel like that kind of shoved him and like made him more forcefully block the guy in the back. So yeah, that was an iffy call. I will give him that. Yeah, and to be honest, that call kind of kept the Dolphins in the game a little bit because if the Chiefs had gotten that touchdown with Rice there, they'd have been off and running towards a blowout. Really, I mean, with the whole thing with the offense this week, I mean, yeah, they put up 27. They could have had 38, 40 points. I mean, there was some drops in here and there, some miscommunication down the field with uh, McCole Hardman. Kelsey dropped a few passes, too. You know, the Chiefs were smart, though. They took the points when they could. I think they were really comfortable with the way their defense was playing. So, you know, they knew they could be a little a little conservative on offense this week. But it was just a, a little bit disappointing around the red zone, I thought. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. We'll get into it because that is one of my, my party pooper segments is, is how they weren't finishing drives. Um, but the thing is, it, it was very close to, like, this just being a complete domination um, wall-to-wall. The two, the only two scoreless drives the Chiefs had before garbage time were both uh, three and outs that the third down play was a deep shot to McColl that didn't get complete. Now, you know, one of them was the DPI, which, or the missed DPI, I should say, which absolutely was holding or DPI. Like, there's no question about it. He should have got that call. Whether or not you can argue McColl should have ran through that route a little harder, uh, maybe tried to sell it more, you can make that argument absolutely. But one of them, yeah, he just, he just didn't see the ball until it was too late and 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 he didn't get a, a, a good enough uh track on the ball. If if those two plays, you know, become positives um because it's either a catch or the, the flag's drawn, yeah, you're talking about maybe two touchdowns and you're talking about 40 to seven just like that and Mahomes having, you know, close to 400 yards just like that. It is pretty amazing, uh Caleb, just thinking about, you know, in the negative whatever degrees Mahomes was playing in. They did not give a crap. They were they were passing the ball as much as they wanted to. I mean, obviously they ran the ball well, but they were slinging it around. Mahomes was feeling it, and again, I mean, he could have had a huge game. <laughs> Let's get to the Chiefs preview. Stop it! Stop it! You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Well, here it is. After so much speculation, when is it going to happen? When is Patrick Mahomes going to have to go on the road in the NFL playoffs? That is something that has been talked about. And I mean, that's chief lore. He may never have to do it. Mark Gunnels was still up late at night trying to figure out ways to tabulate and see if he could get the Steelers and maybe the, the game's not open. Mark, it's okay. And who would you, this is like, this is who you want it to be, right? Like we talk about the little the little legacies, like what better chapter to add after 13 seconds and the Kadarius Tony lining up in Kansas to then have Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game be against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. It'll be Sunday, 5.30 KC time on CBS here locally, Chiefs and Bills. What's your gut tell you just initially what's going to be the difference between these two teams on Sunday, Mark Gunnels? I'm going to say the middle of the field 
talking about Buffalo's defense. Their linebacking core is, is in shambles right now. I don't know if you've seen, but they got a lot of injuries, a lot of guys banged up. We'll, we'll know a lot more tomorrow and throughout the week. We look at the practice report and things of that nature, but I, I don't think they're going to be fully healthy regardless. Um, and I think that's going to be a big detriment to them. They're already without Matt Milano, who I think is one of the best cover linebackers in the league, super athletic, sideline to sideline, can guard your tight end. I think this screams the Travis Kelsey game. And I think the Chiefs will better run the ball as well up front and be very physical and kind of um, lean on that like they did the past couple weeks. So I think those two things from the offensive standpoint for the Chiefs stand out to me. And obviously, which team takes care of the ball? I think both teams are pretty evenly matched. I really truly believe that. So which team? In the turnover category? No, just over, just evenly matches overall. Like as I team. was about to say, because Josh still has been kind of light with the ball. Oh, and Sarah yeah, and I yeah. were kind of talking about this before before you hopped on. Like Buffalo could have put that game away well before they did. It was it was twenty one nothing, and then they let up seventeen unanswered. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah. Like Buffalo, the last two weeks, if you include and credit to you this is something you said earlier in the show like teams have been playing playoff football for a while like that miami game at in week 18 the last game of the regular season on on nbc like that was essentially a playoff game i mean they were going to be in but they wanted to win the division and they wanted to have what's going to happen right now which is they wanted to be in a situation where patrick mahomes has to come to them this time you know they don't they don't they don't have to go to arrowhead anymore yeah 100 percent and but not to mention that's kind of goes to my point about the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh gave them a couple of freebies. Uh, George Pickens fumbled in their own territory, like at the yeah. 20 yard line, basically gave Buffalo a free touchdown. And then Mason Rudolph threw a pick in the end zone, second and goal at the four yard line. I don't know why they were even passing in that situation. So you could make the argument that Pittsburgh it should have been a lot closer if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot in those two turnovers. So I say all that to say this. I do think this is great for Patrick Mahomes, though, because we always see the legend. Why is it great? No, no, no. Why is it great for Patrick this is Mahomes? Great for his legacy because oh god, it's been a question. And you know, all the greats in any sport, they always have these moments where they go on the road in a hostile environment. Aaron, eighty thousand people yelling Jesus. at you screaming at you and you just rip their hearts out i mean what better way would it be for after the Kadarius tony game you know uh, josh allen's been coming to your crib albeit in the regular season and just three and one against mahomes in the regular season josh allen is beating you like a pulp in arrowhead in the regular season but still beating you to go into orchard park in front of Bill's Mafia, Aaron, and just rip their hearts out. Because all week you're going to hear about how this is Mahomes' first road playoff game. I don't know if he can handle it. Kadarius Tony last game. Man, that was crazy. That's going to be all the narratives and all those type of things are going to be building up. And the Chiefs are an underdog. Mahomes is an underdog. <laughs> I know it's on the road, but I'm just saying, like – I think it's setting up really nicely for a Patrick Mahomes game. I really believe that. 
Let's give a couple Patrick Mahomes numbers before we head off to Vegas. We'll be kind of light on our preview as we have a lot of voicemails on the backhand side. Uh, one of those don't take it for granted start uh, stats. Mark Gunnels Mahomes now has the eighth most postseason victories by a quarterback in league history already. Eighth most. He's top ten playoff victories already after beating the Dolphins. Uh, another Kansas City has now won thirteen playoff games under Andy Reid. They had 22 playoff wins before Andy Reid. <laughs> 22 playoff wins is a breakdown. Andy Reid has 13 since he's been here. Kansas City has won one postseason game in the last six years. Before this, they had won a playoff game in a total of six individual seasons. Wow. Don't take it for granted. You're watching greatness. And according to Mark Gunnels, you're about to witness one of those all-time storybook moments. I mean, like, you were just – did you. You should write like a Disney book or something. <laughs> Why are you saying it's fiction? Is that what you're, you're, to just, you're, you're dreaming in fairy tales and wow, uh, setting up wormholes. <laughs> man, man, that's a very deplete, de- depleted defense right now. And not to mention, you know how we were talking about how the Chiefs were having the rest disadvantage the back half of the season. Well, yeah, now they not, have the now they get the get one. back. Not in this one, buddy. He played on Saturday, and the Bills, because they got pushed back, played on Monday. And they got a lot of injuries. That's a big advantage for the Chiefs this time of year. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right, Chiefs at Buffalo. The first at Buffalo, at Buffalo, the first road game for Mahomes. He's <laughs> retiring soon, isn't he? Fucking <laughs> ludicrous, isn't it? It really is ludicrous. On the it's road, 2024, and we drafted that guy in 2017, and we have made the playoffs every single year since he got drafted. Yeah, and this is the first time that he's playing on the road. And he's got what 12, 12 playoff wins already or something. Yeah. And, and dude, it's, it's just, just insane. It's just insane. How many of these Chiefs players have actually played on the road in a playoff game? Chris Jones. Has <laughs> Chris Jones even played on the road? In the I don't game? think he has. When when we did then when when did we get Jones? Twenty sixteen. I don't think Chris Jones has played on the road in the playoffs. No. Kelsey has, because Kelsey's played in New England. Yeah. But none of these guys have. Insane. That is really insane to even think that Mahomes is this is his first road playoff game. 
I think it's our first road playoff game since 2015. That's how long it's been since we played a road playoff game. And now that means that's predominantly because we kept losing in the, oh no, yeah, 2015, the Texans was the last time we played. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Patriots, we lost to the Patriots the following game. Yeah. Yeah, Patriots, divisional round was the last time, 2015, we played on the road. And then every other year, the next two years were first round exits. And um, yeah, then Mahomes come in. So is crazy, crazy insane, isn't it? I mean, I'm glad this game's in Buffalo, by the way. I'm really pleased this game's in Buffalo because a lot of the talk, obviously, we've got a very good record against Buffalo in the playoffs. And Mm. every single time it's been, oh, well, if we ever get you in Buffalo, that's how I see people from Buffalo talk. If we ever get you from Buffalo, you sound like Ben Stiller. (laughs) (laughs) Joni loves Chachi. Yeah, but if we ever get them in Buffalo, now I'm going to hillbilly. If we ever get them in Buffalo, we're going to beat their ass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's how they sound in Buffalo, mate. I really don't. No, <laughs> I could no. be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm trying to think of Buffalo and pop culture at all. Oh, uh, uh, Bruce Almighty is set in Buffalo. Oh, right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I can't think of Buffalo in any other pop culture thing. Wings. Buffalo wings. Do they come from Buffalo? Uh, I don't know. I don't see many buffaloes with wings, though. Uh, I don't know, Mrs. Person. <laughs> I don't see many buffaloes with wings. No. So it must be the location. I don't know. That's I, I, a good I, point. Do you know what? Why I mean, are they called buffalo wings? I've yeah. never once thought that. Alexa, why do they call them buffalo wings? According to an Alexa Answers contributor, they are called buffalo wings if they are cooked with a buffalo sauce. Consisting of a vinegar-based cayenne pepper hot sauce and melted butter. There are several claims about the origin of buffalo wings. One popular claim is that buffalo wings were first prepared at the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Good old buffalo. <laughs> yeah, it's not not even in Buffalo. It's it's actually New York thing. <laughs> <laughs> Go with a sign on Sunday. Buffalo wings are a New York thing. <laughs> there we go. It's not really New York. I know Buffalo. I say, oh, yeah, it's really actual New York team. Western New York. Is it? Is it? Like, does anyone go, oh, I'm going to New York this weekend. Oh, whereabouts in New York are you going to go? Buffalo. Like, no, no, no. Oh, where are you staying? You're staying in Manhattan? Near Times Square? Yeah, I'm staying in Buffalo. Like, no one says that, do they? But I know the Jets and Giants are in New Jersey, but people might say oh, I'm going to New Jersey this weekend, but they're not saying they're going to Buffalo, are they? This is how ignorant I am. I thought we were on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> you thought they were near Seattle or something like that, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> I there really start looking at a map of, of America. I really yeah. do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the Chiefs are playing the Buffalo Wings, Buffalo Bills this, Buffalo this, Wings. this Sunday. In the playoffs. And yeah, I'm glad this game is in Buffalo um, because the excuses aren't there for Buffalo anymore. Yeah. Um, they can't talk about overtime because the overtime rule's been sorted. They can't talk about the game being an arrowhead because it's being played in Buffalo. Um, maybe they'll talk about rest, maybe, uh, because yeah. obviously there's, the Chiefs have got two days extra rest than the Bills, which might turn out to be a factor. The Bills look pretty beat up by the end of that game. But at the same time, they did play the Steelers, who are <laughs> who are really, really <laughs> And it was like the year that we played the Steelers in the playoffs when they were the seven and we were the two. It might as well have been a bye week. 
Yeah. I got excited about there being Monday night football, like Monday evening football for the guys in America. But it was kicked off at half nine over here. I thought, that's fine. Bill's game got postponed on a Sunday. We watch it Monday night. I'll go out, play football. Come on, not break anyone's arm. Go out, play football, have a beer, watch the Bill's game. And I was genuinely excited for about five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was like watching. Do you know what it was like watching? It was like watching a preseason game. It was actually, yeah, I agree. It was with you. like, oh yeah, I'm really excited to watch this game. Yeah, can't wait. Play off the ball. Oh, it was over before oh, half time. That's when it was. It was, it was so bad. Yeah, so it was bad. the Bills, the, the Steelers were so outmatched, so so outmatched because the Bills, for all of my piss taking, they are a very very good team, mm. and they have a mutant at quarterback who is playing out of his skin at this moment. And we talked about it before in this podcast. When that certain quarterback gets hot, he gets really really hot. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not playing him when he gets cold because when he's cold, he's really, really, really cold. So it, it's all building up to be this just fantastic game of football between two franchises that have a respect for each other, but there is a rivalry. It's not, and we're not talking like Bengals Chiefs who just clearly hate each other. The yeah. Bills and Chiefs, I think there is mutual respect. I think they do get along. Josh Allen clearly gets along with Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I'm just looking forward to seeing how these two teams play against each other. It's a it's a really, really hard game to call. Team comparison wise, they are very, very similar. Very, very similar. I mean, like even like points per game no, and things like that. Better. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, there's that. I mean, there's 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 two factors here, really. There's are we gonna get Josh Allen, like you said, hot Josh Allen, and are we gonna get the Chiefs defense that we've seen all season? And and are they gonna really have this this titanic battle between quarterback and defense? Because that's what it kind of boils down to this game. If the Chiefs defense is on point again, it's going to be a really long night for for Josh Allen and Court because this Chiefs defense has been absolutely lights out. But what we the main question is, is this Chiefs offense gonna start keep ticking along as they as they're doing at the minute? Because they played well against the Dolphins and I wasn't expecting it to be as 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 such a blowout as I thought that it was at the end. So are we going to get something similar in this? Are the Chiefs going to really kind of lock down Buffalo and be cause a real frustration in this game? And is the Chiefs off- offense really going to start up in the game, getting that championship swagger back? I keep mentioning it every week now because I'm so glad it seems to be coming back because I've been waiting for so long all this season for this championship swagger and it just hasn't been ignited. But it just seems as though the last couple of games, the Chiefs championship swagger has just kicked up a little bit. And it just that next, you know, that next gear. And I think the Dolphins game did that as well. I agree mostly with what you said. I just find it really hard to imagine the Chiefs being able to shut down Josh Allen. Um, I think he has something which other quarterbacks don't particularly have. And that's mainly the ability to run the football very, very, very well. And the Chiefs will be able to do a number. I'm sure they will be relatively okay with... Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and Kennard and who's their other young tie and they've got I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Um with that. Even James Cook, if he ends up playing, I'm sure he's he's a doubt at the moment. But um they may be okay with those weapons. But mm. unless you're gonna spy him, you need to account for Josh Allen as well. Yeah. So it's it's a Carl after some Mike Dana, Charles Menahu, Chris Jones, like what can you do to ensure that Josh Allen doesn't leave the pocket like you can't have josh allen running because if we if the bills get josh allen running the bills are going to win this game 
Yeah. Um, I do believe that because I feel that if he does get out of the pocket, he's going to extend drives. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to put his body on the line, all of that stuff. I do feel like they're going to win the game. It's whether they can keep in the pocket and then they can potentially create turnovers off the back of it. They need to get the, they have to get the bills in bird and long situations mm-hmm. where the run almost doesn't become too much of a threat for Josh Allen. They have to get him passing as much as they possibly can. They get Josh Allen passing and he is a terrific passer of the football, by the way. Mm-hmm. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I'm not seeing him saying he's like Kyler Murray or anything like that where all he's got his legs. He's a terrific quarterback. But he, what makes Josh Allen more dangerous is his ability to move the chains with his legs. And that's where the defense has to step up. Like, you cannot have plays like, I, I can't remember who it was, but there was one play on Monday night against the Steelers when they 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 got a free rusher on Josh Allen. Mm. And the, the defender, it was, a, it was a corner, I think it was, that come off the edge, had a free rusher, Josh Allen. And instead of hitting him or bringing him to the floor, he went for the ball and Josh Allen kind of just swatted him aside and said, get off. And and then yeah. it was gone. you can't afford to not have those plays. You sorry, you you can't afford to make those mistakes against a quarterback like Josh Allen because he will punish you. And it's such a big game for this defensive line. And I'm really intrigued by the plan for him. I wouldn't be surprised if we rushed five, if we blitzed the hell out of him. Yeah. And, and but also try to keep gap integrity so he can't escape the pocket. Um still Bagno is gonna have to be in his bag because I think I genuinely believe this is the toughest test that we're going to face all year. I know we've already faced Josh Allen, but that was when they were just starting to get hot. Yeah. The Bills are now red hot. They've won, what, six, seven games in a row now. And we know how dangerous this quarterback can be when he's on song. So, um, yeah, if uh, if this, get, this defense counts for nothing, if they keep teams below 20 points all year and then Josh Allen goes and scores 28 to 35 points. Right, it, it doesn't mean anything how good the defense has been. Um, the offense will will have stairs. They will move the ball. They will have Harrison Butker. I'm sure here score points. I'm sure the Chiefs won't have any problem getting to 21 points themselves. But as this team has been all year, they are so 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 reliant on this defense, and this is definitely the toughest test they've faced so far this year. So the game plan is definitely the key on this. But you just have to stop Josh Allen. You just it's it's it. it's, it's similar it though. It's similar with the, with the Dolphins though, wasn't it? Because we no. the, the Chiefs, you no, know, the Chiefs defense, the Chiefs defense shut that run down because they had a no, hell no. Of a run game. There's a difference between shot, shutting the run down and shutting the quarterback run down. Like Mahomes and Josh Allen are very very similar. Like Mahomes isn't an athletic, well, he is an athletic guy. He is very athletic, in fact. But he's you don't look at him and go, oh, he's a runner. Yeah. When he runs, he's extremely effective. Josh Allen is a runner and he's very, very effective and his ability and he's bloody the size of a mountain as well. And that's what makes him so dangerous. Yeah, you can shut down James Cook, you can shut down Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, but if you do not keep him in the pocket and you allow him to break tackles, you allow him to go running, they are just going to extend drive after extending drive after extending drive and eventually they're going to be so close to the end zone that Josh Allen as a pure runner becomes a problem. Yeah. Because then they can start to scheme that stuff. Like we've done a pretty good job at times against Josh Allen, but at other points we've done a god awful job against Josh Allen. And yeah. they just have to bring their A game because if they don't shut this mutant of a quarterback down, then this team will score points for fun. And I think they will. I think they will. I think Spagnolo is definitely good enough for this. But if they don't, then the Chiefs are going home 
empty-handed on Sunday. All right, we do it every week when the Chiefs have the ball. And listen, I I think there may be some people who may have some disagreements with this. And hell, I, I'm damn near disagreeing with myself three weeks ago. All right. I said this last week against the Dolphins, and I didn't know then that I would be saying this again because you knew the matchup was going to be potentially the Chiefs on the road in Buffalo, and that's what we have against Josh Allen, against, if you look at wins-wise, the hottest team in the league. They haven't lost uh, in, in, in six or what six or seven games, whatever it is. They're on a streak. I still feel, fellas, and you all may disagree, I still do not believe that this is a game in which you say, yo, hey, hey, Pat, man, we've uh, we've taken this thing as far as we can, man. We're going to give everything we got here to support you. But, yo, we're outgunned here and you have to make up the difference. You got to be that you got to be the dude that makes up the talent gap or the whatever the difference is in this game. We need you to go ahead, throw your Superman cape on, put us on your back, and carry us out the way. We need you to be Vince Young against USC. USC has more talent than us, but Vince, you got to make up the talent gap with your greatness. If you'd have told me over a month ago that they're going to play Buffalo on the road in the second in the second round of the playoffs, I would say I would have said they need Mahomes to be great. They need him to have a Mahomes, one of those moments, those games where we're talking about. I don't think that they need that. I think they need to continue to follow the formula that they have followed against the Bengals, that they followed against the Dolphins last week, and that the guy who did not play in the first game, Isaiah Pacheco, is a guy that gets a ton of touches. He's got, what, 20, 24 carries in this game, I know at least was targeted once in the passing game. They got it to him 25 times in this game, just like they did against the Bengals. He's got to be a big, big point. And then like we saw in this game, the first drive, nobody touched the ball outside of Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. And it felt like it was that way out of the game. Tip of the cap to MVS for making that tough grab uh, in that cold weather. Nobody in the stadium thought he'd catch it. But, I mean, listen, limit those things. Justin Watson had him a couple. That's it. But to me, it's it. this isn't going to take Mahomes being a hero to where he's got to, hey, man, you got to put up 35 today. We go, we're going to have to have you to be aggressive and take chances. I don't think that is the case. You may disagree. I don't think this is a game, even though it's Josh Allen, even though it's on the road for the first time for them against Buffalo. I don't think they need to veer off of this and that Mahomes has to be some sort of hero. Do you guys know how many times this year the Chiefs have given up more than 24 points in a game? Once. It's one time. The Packers. And so if you're – yeah, and apparently Jordan Love is the second coming of Peyton Manning, so who who knew? <laughs> only, um, team, only team in the league to not give up 30. And when you see something like that and you hear it and it feels right, but, man – it's a weird thing to say the Chiefs just have to get to 24, but it's true. If you get to 24 in this game against the Bills, you should win. And like, if you don't, it probably speaks to the type of performance that Josh Allen had. And we'll get to him a little bit more later on. But 
I think the goal should be gets 24. And however you can get there, that that is the way. Like two touchdowns, three field goals is right around. Like that might be the way that you end up winning a game like this. And so if you find a way to get into the opposing team's 30, 35-yard line, hey, man, that's a successful drive. And now you, you find a way to make sure that you get the field goal in that spot and you live to fight another down. Like that's that's the goal. And when you say that is to the goal, it means that Mahomes doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to go out there, put on the cape. Now you're going to need him to make four or five splash plays in this game. One of them's probably going to have to be with his legs because we've seen this every postseason in the games that you remember that are special for the Chiefs. More often than not, he had at least one big time third down conversion with his legs. Doesn't have to be a 50 yarder, but like move the chains on a third and eight because you do the thing that only five other quarterbacks in the league were capable of with a scramble. Other than that, though, man, he, he doesn't have to be perfect in this game. He's just got to be good. If he's good, Patrick Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over. You, you've got a really good chance to be able to win this one. Yeah, I, I think that's all it comes down to is just don't turn the football over. Yep, just don't have those the backbreaking mistakes. mistakes and run the offense and, and lean into what you guys do well because for most of the season, you couldn't figure out what you were good at. And now they know what they're good at. So lean into that because it works and, and you can execute that as long as you don't have the bad turnovers, the fumbles and the interceptions, then you can win like that. And Harrison Bucker is having the best season of his career. He's been absolutely out of his mind. So I, I want to see touchdowns, but take the field goals if you have to and don't turn the football over. See, fellas, we – and listen, I think we're guilty of it too, the three of us. But I know a lot of people that are li that listen to this podcast and that are Chiefs fans are definitely guilty of it. We, we watch the Chiefs so close than anybody and any other team that we watch that we have – an understanding of the Chiefs' flaws in a way that it just seems debilitating at times because it has been. But we don't watch the Bills or other teams in the league like we watch the Chiefs and understand that those teams have major league flaws too, <laughs> like major, major flaws. And to think like, God, man, the Bills have won six in a row. This team, like there is a – they're a better – like, if you start to really look down to it, like, this is not like a, wow, man, the, man like the Packers and Niners like, or, or the Texans and Ravens in terms of disparity and talent and, and what you're bringing to the table. Like, there's an argument where you just say it out loud to yourself. Well, who's got the better coach? Well, by far, the Chiefs. Well, who's got the better quarterback? The Chiefs. Who do you trust more? The Chiefs. Who's got more experience and, and, and have played in games like this and have been successful in games like this? The Chiefs, who's got the better defense by a mile? The Chiefs. Like, like you start to, to, to look at this and you think to yourself, but we but what we've watched is the Chiefs' flaws. And the Bills have a lot of flaws too. Even more than just the easy one that you pick up on is that Josh turns the ball over. They've got a lot of flaws as well. They don't get after the quarterback like uh, like other teams do. Like the middle of the field, there, there's some issues. They're they're secondary is not great. Their their quarterback or their uh their defensive coordinator does really stupid things like against the the Broncos called back-to-back -back zero blitzes for no damn reason uh and, and gets himself killed. Like they do they have a lot of uh of of issues as well that the Chiefs can take advantage of. So I I think this these two teams are much much closer and really if you if you really break it down 
Like there are a lot, probably a lot more advantages that go the Chiefs way than than anybody that or than the Bills way. So I, I just it's we're close to the Chiefs, but I'm telling you, the Bills. I bet you there's some people doing a podcast about the Bills that are they're scared to death about the things that they've had all year creep up. So you mentioned the middle of the field, Ron, and that's a real weakness for for them right now, the Bills. And it's because of injuries. Like, they're, they're linebackers, they're safeties. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries there. They're nickel corner dealing with an injury there. And last week, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. I like Finished him. the game 13 for 16 for 132 yards and two touchdowns when targeting the middle of the field at least or beyond the line of scrimmage. That's a hell of a game, man. If you can get attack the middle of the field and be that kind of efficient as Mason Rudolph, what can Patrick Mahomes do when he's targeting the middle of the field, which, by the way, is where the Chiefs are best. Rasheed Rice does his best work in the middle of the field on crossers, getting and attacking those zones. Travis Kelsey has made a career of attacking the middle of the field. The Chiefs have running backs that can attack the middle of the field. Like That is where the Chiefs wants to operate the majority of the time. And now you're going up against a defense that does not want you to attack the middle of the field because it is their single greatest weakness. And Ron, they fell into, the Chiefs did, an identity with the offense last last week that can work for them. If you look at what they did on that first drive, it was a, it was a drive that finished nine plays, 69 yards for a touchdown. On that nine-play drive, Rasheed Rice had th- two targets. Travis Kelsey, three targets. Isaiah Pacheco finished with four carries on that drive. That is all nine plays. Finishing with the ball in Pacheco, Rice, or Kelsey's hands. On the next drive, they targeted McCole Hardman twice. Boom, three and out. They, for the rest of the game, had the same formula that they started with on that first drive. You had 25 touches for, for Pacheco, 12 targets for Rice, 10 targets for Kelsey. Every single other player on the team had 17 total touches. So that is the way to operate in this game. Find those guys in the middle of the field, attack them with Pacheco, attack them with Rice, attack them with uh, Kelsey. And if you do that, you're going to have a lot of success over the middle of the field against this Bills defense. No, and and listen, like Kelsey had been having those, as you said it earlier, struggles. Probably the last game before last week was the Buffalo game (laughs) where where he got going. He had 83 yards and – I just, when you talk about that point in the middle of the field, it is weird to say the Chiefs offensively, I mean, they're a they're they're a pretty different team too on what they attack. Like that was like when Rasheed Rice kind of just started really jumping into becoming a major part of that uh, of that team and 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 the things that they're doing with him. So I. It's just the middle of the field from the run game to with Pacheco to to him out of the backfield, like you're saying. And listen, they 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 lose another linebacker in the middle of the field. They they've already lost their their all pro linebacker. Now the guy gets carted off last week, uh, and he probably won't play in this game. This Klein fella, he comes in. Like I, I think there's a lot of things that they can play with and have fun with. And I love some of the combinations we've seen. We've seen them use, you know, Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco as well, playing off each other right in the middle of the field where they have got big plays, easy plays there uh, for them. So this, this, that part of the field, you're right, is something that uh, that they'll really exploit.